Good day, nerds. This is Megan coming at you with another Cantina Conversation. Today's episode features a chat with Patrick R. McDonough and R.J. Joseph talking about the anthology um, Hot Iron and Cold Blood, an anthology of the Weird West. Uh, Patrick R. McDonough collected these stories and put these stories together, developed the anthology, and R.J. Joseph read the stories and uh, produced the foreword for the anthology. Um, but this was a really cool conversation. It was really interesting to hear um, from both of their perspectives how this project came about, why um, R.J. Joseph was asked to be involved, and um, how this experience kind of uh, gave them a new perspective on the short story genre and just this whole experience of putting together anthologies in general. But I'll let you guys get to it. Here is Patrick R. McDonough and R.J. Joseph. So today we've got Patrick R. McDonough and R.J. Joseph. We're talking about Hot Iron and Cold Blood, an anthology of the Weird West. Pat and Rhonda, thank you so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed this. I, I enjoyed all the stories. I did have a handful of favorites, but... um. I, you know, I, I like short stories, the more like I kind of get into it. Cause I don't do that that whole often. I don't have much of an opportunity to, but so when, when this came across my desk, I was like, Oh yay, short stories. So, and, um, so good job picking them, good job reading them and, and editing and, and figuring out how this collection goes together. But yeah. And then thanks for sitting down to chat today. Thank you for having us. Really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. We're excited to be here. Yeah, definitely. So, um, and in either of you, you could fight over who wants to answer my questions, one or the other. Um, <laughs> some of them, some of them are, uh, you know, for the both of you. But so first, before we get started, can you guys, one of you give, um, like a summary of, um, the title and maybe just so people can get the gist of what we're going to talk about today? Rhonda, do you want to take that? Yeah, sure. So this is uh, a really, really cool collection. Uh, uh, Pat did an amazing job in collating these. And the writers were just amazing at capturing that whole idea of uh, what the Old West is like, what um, weirdness might exist there. And uh, I think that the biggest thing about this collection is that it touches on all of those things uh, in such a way that it, it makes it feel timeless, as opposed to uh, sounding like historical stories, right? These are experiences that that we can still even here in the modern time connect to, even though uh, the stories are set in that whole wilderness that is the Wild West. Would you say that's about right, Pat? Yeah, yeah, that's why that's why he wanted to throw her. She's yeah. <laughs> super smart. So just like nothing, nothing to add. Sounds good. <laughs> um, so I want to go into both of your backgrounds, uh, real quick, and um, kind of just how you both found yourselves here, like pushing this title out, working together, all that good stuff. Um, and you could start separately, and then. You know how mer- you know how this whole project merged together and things like that. Yeah, so um, I had a short story that I submitted to a publisher. Uh, their name was Silver Shock, Silver. Oh my god, I can't talk. Silver Shamrock Publishing, and they ended up closing down. They had an anthology open specifically for splatterpunk uh, westerns. Uh, mine really wasn't. I don't think it's splatterpunk. But I guess that's like that could be What's up for splatter debate. punk. That's a subgenre of horror where it is um, it uses violence and graphic portrayals as a uh, driving fat force for uh, social commentary. But I, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if mine was 
qualify for that or not, but um, <laughs> I wrote this story. I had two friends, my friend Kenzie Jennings and uh, and Brandon LaFaro helped me. Uh, they were beta readers. They helped me uh, form it to what it is today. And um, they clo- that publisher closed. I was friends with one of the owners of another press who put out a lot of Westerns, uh, horror Westerns. And his name is Patrick C. Harrison III. And I messaged him. I just pitched it. I'm like, hey, I don't know if you guys are doing this now, um, this anthology, but or or doing a anthology because they kind of have like availability. Um, and you guys are known for this, so it made sense. And he said we aren't, but I'll look at it. He loved it. Emailed me the next day and said if it were to ever happen, your story would be in it. Um, and then I just kind of teased, well, not teased. I just said, uh, well, I'm friends with Ed Lee, um, uh, older horror writer. And I said, I know that he's got, he was going to have a story in that previous anthology and Joe Lansdale was too. And, uh, it eventually happened randomly popped in my head. I'm like, well, why don't, why don't I try to see if I could edit it? And, um, (laughs) I don't know why that came in my head. But uh, I'm glad it did. And Pat was kind of iffy about it. They said that they don't do out of house, out of, you know, their press uh, for editors. Um, And I said, how about this? How about I I do that for free? And uh, I only get paid for being a writer for my story because he selected it and uh, he edited edited it too. Um, And eventually said, yeah. Uh, the publisher, they had the two people that found that Dessa press, they actually, um, left the press and there's a weird transition period. But during that time, I didn't know what was going on. Um, I had already chosen all the stories. They were all approved. Um, I was basically given for reasons I still don't know. I was basically given <laughs> like <laughs> freedom to artistically choose the order the the writers the amount of writers um i was even like the middleman for negotiating on one of the writers getting paid a certain amount and i was i, I wasn't super comfortable with that but uh <laughs> it it ended up working out it, it came out a year after it was initially supposed to but it worked out for the better due to the cover that we had and um i'm i'm just really glad with the final result yeah, anything yeah, to add, I'm Rhonda? Super, <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited. I know Pat is always like, well, I don't know why this happened. I know why it all happened. Was <laughs> it was supposed to happen that way. <laughs> uh, yeah, this, I mean, you know, I'm a big believer in destiny and things that are supposed to go down the way that they just do. Uh, so there was a reason why these stories were lingering to be put into this collection. There's a reason why Pat was put into place to be the editor. Uh, because his his voice is all over this anthology. Mm. And I don't know that people really, I don't know that people stop to think about some of the things that make an anthology or even a, a single author collection uh, successful is how the stories are put together, uh, mm-hmm. how well they play together, what their order is like, what kind of a tone it sets from the onset. Uh, and so I just really think that this is a, Pat anthology like this was meant 
for Pat to do it. Uh, and Pat really did it too. <laughs> so you by the time he, he came to me and he's like, Hey, do you want to maybe do the forward for this? I was like, Oh my gosh. Yes. Like I'm a native Texan. I'm a huge Lansdale fan. Uh, and I was <laughs> like, this is my jam. I'm glad that I get to play in some kind of way here. So I was super excited to do the forward. Like I was like, Oh, say less. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you had me at forward, right? Like, <laughs> Yes. Yes, exactly. Well, you had me at Pat. Like I could not deny that anything. That's pretty funny. <laughs> And it was her first forward, <laughs> and it was my first time editing. Yes, yes. There we go. So oh, it that's was kind of fun that yeah, that you guys yeah. got to kind of um, step out of your comfort zones or, or do a first uh, together with the same project. That's so cool. Exactly, yeah. it is so cool. Um, so, Rana, what is your your background? Is also in short stories, isn't it? Like writing them mostly. It is. Yes. So I mostly write short stories. Um, uh, that's just the way that my horror brain works best. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've been writing them from many, many years. Uh, I've, I've since then have started to branch out into novellas, um, uh, just because it's a bit of a stretch for me. So I'm finishing up a couple of those now. Uh, I also write in the academic arena. Uh, so about horror, about race and gender, those intersections, um, about the romance genre and popular culture. So kind of an all around short medium writer. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I really, like I said, so I've read a couple of anthologies before and they did fall along the lines of like, um, dark fantasy. So it was kind of like that horror adjacent. It was like more dark fantasy than horror, but it was kind of adding those eerie, that spooky storytelling and, and unsettling, um, elements, but like, you know, not necessarily for like werewolves and vampires, but you know, in other, um, just really outlandish situations that, and the, which that's what mm -hmm. I kind of liked about this, where this collection is, um, that, you know, everybody knows like, oh, the old West or the wild West, it's a genre in itself. Horror mm -hmm. is a genre in itself, but to kind of like cross these over and add that weird element to an already like unique, uh, period of time and, and so many stories, so many ways that you can go with that. Um, I, I thought that was really cool and I found myself, I really liked it. I don't know. I like, I don't like, I don't like being scared. So like, I don't really watch horror movies. That's just not on mm -hmm. the top of my list, but I found that I do enjoy like reading them. Like I really mm -hmm. enjoyed reading all of these stories. Like even if they were unsettling or weird, I don't know. Maybe it's like, I have own, like my own agency over how I'm picturing it in my head versus like mm -hmm, on a screen mm -hmm. where it's like, no, this, this horrible shit is happening. And this is how we, we are showing it to you. <laughs> like, I don't right, know. Where, right. I don't know what, yeah. Like, I don't know where the disconnect is, but I do find my, I just, I was thinking about that. Like, I actually like reading all of these, even if I don't like being scared. I mean, that's just, if it's not like that, my first choice. Um, but maybe it's cause these were like less scary than and more unsettling, I would say. So maybe that's mm -hmm. why, but, um, yeah. So how, so it's your your first time collection and then your first forward that you've written so did you guys kind of like approach your first times did you have any like transferable skills from your background from what you had been doing like did you find that any of that prepared you for for what your role was here or you know did you kind of just go not having any idea what you like how it was gonna go or have any idea of where to start like and then you kind of just figured it out on the way like I want to explore maybe to see if there were any skills or experiences that you were able to kind of like help um transfer over and apply to this uh new exciting endeavor 
Um, well, so yeah, so I'm I'm an academic, right? So I'm an English professor, and some of the essays that I write with my classes are literary analyses. Uh, we do a lot of um, reading literature and uh, dissecting films and things like that. So, so I definitely brought that background to this. Um, I feel that writing a foreword is much more than just, oh, hey, you're going to see this story, you're going to see that story. Uh, you have to actually analyze the stories. You have to know what they're really about, uh, so that you you can provide an introduction that doesn't necessarily give a spoiler uh, for what you're going to see, but that can actually capture the larger themes and the larger devices that are at play. Uh, in the whole thing. So I definitely did bring my academic hat uh, to that, but I also brought my Texan hat to that. Yeah. <laughs> and I know one thing is, uh, you know, living here. So I live outside of Houston and Houston is this really weird sort of an urban rural type place uh so i mean like we have livestock in the city limits and i know people are like really that's a real thing yes there are goats there are chickens there are cows there are horses uh like in the middle of town so you see the downtown <laughs> skyline and then you're looking at this cow right and yeah. so i mean you know we just that's weird so we're weird here like there's i mean the hurricanes that come through in the season they sound literally like monsters uh there's this river that we live near the the Brazos River. I hate that river. It is so creepy. Uh, you know, the land here, it's so old. Like, and there are different things that we do. Like, we talk about spirits and we talk about the weirdness and we talk about the different critters that we see. And we're like, what is that? Well, I don't know. Uh, and so this is real life for us here in Texas. And so to see these writers not lean on stereotypes that make things seem like just a parody, but to take this weirdness and put it into like these real life type of situations, I was really excited about that. So I, mm -hmm. I brought that part, you know, because there's lots of times you see Westerns and you go, that's not what people are doing. That's not what people were doing. <laughs> what are they even doing? Uh, and so I was really excited to to see all that spirit that I know from being a native Texan, um, like that spirit of resilience, that spirit of strength, that spirit of, of acceptance. It's like those things are here. That's why we're still here. Uh, so that was I brought that experience as well to that. Um, and I was really happy to do it. For, uh, for me, um... So I've been editing videos for 15 years and it started the love of, of film is where I guess my brain kind of go, goes into play where I like all the behind the scenes, all the behind the scenes, uh, Romero and Tarantino and Kevin Smith are three filmmakers that I really love. Um, and while I love editing, uh, videos so much, it used to be like super underground uh, basically comedies, stoner comedies. And it, it's just a way to rewrite a, well, a, a story. Um, so I've been doing that since pretty much out of high school. Um, and then before this anthology, I edited two other books. Uh, I'm not credited as the editor. They were beta reads. Like I read them offer notes, but they're really deep and extensive. And I'm like, I don't care what anyone says. This is this is basically an edit. Um, <laughs> and I've been writing for 10 years with a serious mindset to eventually do this as a living. And 
I, I just um, I went with my gut with a lot of things. And since I had no restrictions from the publisher, I didn't want, like, there's certain people, if you follow different publishers, there's certain people that you would expect to be in it. And when I passed on some stories, because I didn't know who was submitting them, because the publisher would filter that stuff out. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think they were surprised that I said no to a couple people that they probably would have said yes to. Mm. They just didn't make sense to me. My goal was to, um, if I'm going to do this, it's going to be different. And I want to, um, I want to hear stories from every walk of life. And I don't want to hear cowboys versus, you know, Indians or gunslingers and all that. Like they can be in there, but I I don't want to retell something that's been talked about in a million different ways for since like, I don't know since the wild west was a thing yeah <laughs> um so i i guess that's my i think i answered your question uh i just basically <laughs> i just basically came in with you know decades worth of writing experience and then edited in in different art formats and uh i just went with my gut and worst case they're like oh it's this- oh yeah <laughs> one thing that's probably applicable to this is the publisher said if it does well it's on you know it's on you if it does poorly and tanks it's on you so i'm like all right i'll just i'll just do this shit my way right <laughs> like if they're gonna yeah. blame me their way see yeah right Sounds I, good. I i mean i didn't have a contract i didn't have i didn't have any restrictions in any way so i just said fuck it i'll do it the exact way i want to do it and that's what happened yeah <laughs> that's so funny so did you kind of go in with like any sort of like um you know maybe unofficial or just established in your brain uh like a rating scale or system of like how you filtered stories out where like you know i know you obviously it had to be like wild west and, and obviously it had to be you know there had to be some horror element but were there anything else that like where it made you really difficult to to choose a story versus another one did you have any restrictions as to like you know if you you had to have like what 12 stories in it and there was like you had you know you you found that you had to get rid of three in order to make that 12 like was that anything like that was it really difficult for you to try to like pick which stories were um you know we're gonna go in and we're not gonna go in yeah so i invited I invited 12. Um, I included myself in that because uh, <laughs> the well, cause the other, the guy that was supposed to be the main editor picked my story first before it was officially an anthology. And then we went in and I said, why don't we do an open call for, for two others? And there were four stories that I couldn't pass up and I convinced the publisher to open two more slots. Um, mm. It had to, and it, it was in the guidelines too. It has to be in the wild west. Somewhere, somewhere in Florida, one I remember, somewhere back and forth um, with like futuristic stuff. And then basically what I did was I, I reached out to Ellen Datlow, who's like the queen of anthologies, and Joe Lansdale, who's edited his fair share since the 80s. And I just asked him, I'm like, how, how much do you read until you know that's not going to work? Um, I forget who said what, but one said a page, one said a paragraph or two. Um, so I, I did all the slush reading, like all the open submission stories. And 
I read a page and you can tell real quick which ones were just not right for whatever reason. Um, and then I would skip around and then I would go to the end because maybe the end's like, oh shit, that was good. Let's read it. You know, let's start from the beginning. Mm. And I noticed a trend which, um, with, with everyone that submitted that the majority of the men wrote the typical Western story. So I was like, nah, not interested in that. And then <laughs> the most of the women wrote really unique. And uh, I think my opinion is better stories. Um, Wiley Young's the exception for that role. He was surprisingly in the open. I say surprisingly, cause like you, would, you, he, he's the one that had the first book with death side press for their horror or weird Western series um, a few years ago, but he wrote a killer story. Yeah. That that's, that's pretty, pretty much it. And uh, just had to be an actual Western and have elements of horror in it. Yeah. I guess it's kind of tricky. Like, you know, it's almost like, you know, what you, what you're looking for when you see it. Right. It's kind of, it's kind of hard to like come out with that right out the gate or be proactive about it. It's kind of like, let's see um yeah like how you did like let's see the trend here let's see what's something that i can notice because so i'm just looking through um and i'm trying to find what the wiley uh the wiley story because i noticed one thing oh do you i know i'm like hey have you have you have all the titles of the stories memorized why not no no when i read his story (laughs) i knew that it would it would it it just felt like a finale in a book so (laughs) that was really easy to be like yeah he's definitely gonna be yeah well that's really interesting that um you said that sometimes you would read the ending so that you would just kind of willingly spoil yourself or Mm -hmm. like (laughs) was that okay yeah i'd read the first page for all of them and if it wasn't catching my i mean some are i don't know how else to word this but some writers were just i don't think that either they either it felt like either they rushed it or they weren't skill level wise ready to be published at least in this book and that might sound rude to some people but guess what if you submit something and it's not up to par it just means you gotta try harder i did for like nine Mm -hmm. i Mm -hmm. i got i got rejections from 2013 or 14 to 2019 i wasn't ready yeah (laughs) you just gotta you gotta keep trying but wiley young uh I know I'm trying to remember. So I'm, I have it. Is that the one where, oh, is that one where his character's like already kind of established? Like it's yeah. where he's, he's got like a chunk of short stories with this one character, right? He's got I two think. novels out, but you don't have to read those to understand. Yeah. This story. Yeah. Cause I, I remember kind of looking up a little bit. I'm um, looking up his name and, and I found that, yeah, like some people, also, when when they had read this book, um, they did recognize the Wiley Young name and they were excited to to see what else he had turned out. Now, one thing I was interested in, I found like I recognized Ronald Kelly and I'm sure so many people do because I actually one of the books I read and reviewed like, I don't know, last year um, was his kind of wasn't like a memoir, but it was just like a story mm-hmm. about his career, like a collection and, and how, you know, you know, I forget what the title was, but it was about like Ronald Kelly, like not his stories. I did get one of his stories though. Um, but it was just basically about 
you know, a second, an outside person's account of like his career and how like telling Mm -hmm. his story as, as his career as a sort, you know, a horror fiction writer. And so I, you know, I wasn't surprised when I finished his, the story. Um, I think it was like the curse of El Marito or something like that, where it was the, I don't know. We want to be spoiler free, but the, I've never heard about, (laughs) I've never heard it before the werewolf horse. I was Mm -hmm. like, I thought that was so cool and unique. And then I looked again, like, oh, yes. nope, that was Ronald Kelly. Like, <laughs> like, no wonder he's pot, he's well known in the genre for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so cool. Like, like that is, it was just so different. And so it just really that I remember that was one of the names I was excited to recognize it. And then when I read the story, I was like, <laughs> oh shit, like that one's a really good one. Um, I just thought that was so unique and, and so fun. And so, and it was funny, like, as like, cause you mentioned the cover too. Um, cause I was like, as I was going through the stories, I was like, oh, there, there it is. <laughs> it's like where they kind of each peek <laughs> on the cover. Like, oh, wait, that one looks okay. That's where that's from. Like, okay. Uh-huh. So it was like really cool to see all that too. Cause I, some of the other, um, anthologies that I've read, I remember speaking to the editor. I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, Paula Garan. She, she's the one mm-hmm. she's been on here. Yeah. She's been on here a few times, mm-hmm. um, for her anthologies where she goes into like the dark fantasy and horror genre. Um, but she made a point to like, that cover doesn't have anything to do with any of the stories in it. Cause she just wants the reader <laughs> to go in, like not having any idea, like any, any inclination any type of clue um so when it was it added another element to this though where you could kind of mash up the stories and see how they fit together in one almost like a movie poster you know like it's Mm -hmm. i thought it was yeah i thought it was cool and i thought it was like a fun element to add to that um because a lot of the times you know i have the other collections that i've read have been that aren't a mix have been by single author um short story collections. So I know the cover mm-hmm. has a lot to do with like everything. And so that, I thought that was interesting that um did you have any sort of like, you know, vision board or anything or did they kind of like have these ideas and like this is what we're going to do? Did you have any input? How did that go? Uh yeah, they they asked for my input cuz for the longest time, I don't remember how long, but for the longest time it was just me that had read the every story for mm-hmm. um I don't know, I read them like three or four times and uh I was asked for like bullet points on each story. So I gave him bullet points and um, that was, that was it. And yeah. the artist is Robert Samellan. He's, he's absolutely phenomenal. And, and also mm-hmm. Ronald Kelly's book is Southern fried and horrified. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that was, yes. yeah. Were you looking that up for me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that was the book that I read last year that I reviewed. And like, I didn't even know where to go with it. Like, I didn't know what to expect, but I thought, it, mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty cool to kind of hear about. He's just a, such a well-known name. And I'm glad that mm-hmm. I, you know, glad that I got to dig it, dive into like a little crevice of, of his career. Um, that's so funny. Cause I'm like, Oh, okay. Um, so what were the bullet points? You would like skull. Owl had like what <laughs> I'm like looking at the cover and I'm like, I wonder what those bullet points looked like. <laughs> um, I can't remember off the top of my head besides a few besides a few, like one of them, Jill Girardi's Owl Woman. Uh I think for Owl going backs is the Headless Horseman, Bree Morgan's the blood coming out of the eyes of one mm-hmm. woman. 
Not sure what else I suggested that they use. <laughs> <laughs> it was a while ago. They just went for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so really, funny. I'm really thankful. There was one other cover that I saw before, and it it was bad, and it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> I, I don't know if I should say that shit, but it was it was the previous <laughs> owners, and it's he's my friend. I, I love the guy, but uh, mm-hmm. and the cover artist is. Is fr- we're friendly too, so not yeah. Kind of just, sound like I'm talking smack, but it wasn't good. Yeah, yeah. You try to be yeah. You try to be constructive and and kind, but mm-hmm. it's kind of like, well, well, you know, if they can't take the hint, then maybe you got to be a little tough and be like, it it's not good. Like it's just- <laughs> I know everyone's opinion is obviously varying, but I just try to try to pull myself out and say like, if I'm in a bookstore or. Because mm-hmm. I've bought in uh, this one, probably the best example for me is Paulo Bacigalupe, and I could spell it if you want. It's a really wild name for me anyways. I wasn't familiar, but I saw a cover of his book called The Wind-Up Girl, mm-hmm. and it's got, um, I think it's it's set in Asia. I think it's in China, and he it's just like this big elephant. Some people are riding on it. It's like futuristic. There's dirigibles up in there, like little... Like good year blimps, but obviously no good year. And I'm like, that's interesting. It was like four bucks. But my point being is, uh, you know, the cover sells, especially if you don't know. Mm-hmm. Like we know the names, or at least some of them. But everyone's trying to sell to the broad audience member or the broad reader. And mm-hmm. if yeah. it's a good cover, they're not going to give a shit. Exactly. Or it can get easily just, um, you know, overshadowed. Cause I, sure. I think about that too, where I'm like, if I'm reviewing books and I have like some of them who do want, you know, they're releasing on the same day. And I'm like, well, I don't want to make readers choose, but at the same time, like the author has to think about if they were really like in there in the bookstore, right? Well, who else are they competing with that are also on release day or release week or release month even, mm-hmm. you know, like, and it it depends for sure. So no, I totally I totally get it because there's even like you can go beyond that to seeing just little kids if they're seeing like a person of color on on the the t- on the cover, you know, or there's you know little Asian girls seeing a, a badass warrior Asian sure. chick on the cover that's gonna stand out to them. They that stuff like that's important too to show to grab because it like then you might get you know, lost in the shuffle of all those other release dates. So I'm totally, mm-hmm. I'm totally on, you know, I totally get that for sure. Um, I, got, I got, sorry to interrupt, but I got actually one <laughs> thing that's really neat. One author in there, Brendan LaFaro, he was shooting me a text, like I think it was yes, two days ago or whatever. He was at a book convention and one of his characters in his book called news. Uh, it's a really good Western book. And mm-hmm. um, the second one's coming out next year. I read it. It's phenomenal, but He's got a little girl in there. I forget how old she is. I want to say like eight to 12. Um, she can't speak, but they use sign language. Um, and it's true to the time period. I mean, he, he does a little bit of uh, artistic, uh, freedom. Like he molds it to his story. But point being mm-hmm. is, uh, this dad comes up, buys a book from him, buys noose. And I think the second one and. He says, he, they start talking. He says, my little girl's name is Alice, just like the character. And she is deaf as well. And I'm j- he, he goes, he texts me. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's why we do this. And I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I think that's remarkable. 
Yeah, I love that. It's even, yeah, and even if, like, you you sift through all the big sensationalism of it, right? Like, you find those Mm -hmm. little instances where that's, like, that real human connection and that that representation and the way to tell that story, you know, and that story is shared with the world for the people like that to hear, you know, to just to resonate with them. I think that's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, Rhonda, jump in after, please. But, like, I'm (laughs) I'm an Irish-Italian-American I don't do this like for, I don't know how to word this. I'm not like trying to be pandering or whatever, but I genuinely like, I don't feel like I fit in, for example, with most dudes. I don't think like them. So I, I always have felt like I got severe ADHD and some other things, neurodivergence going on. So I've always felt like I'm, I'm uh, on the outskirts of like what a normal guy should be. Like I was, I played sports, but not a jock. I was in, I was in like dorky, electronic and writing clubs in high school but i'm not smart enough to be a nerd so like i don't know who the fuck i fit in with <laughs> well you you were a nerd about those things it's okay like yeah like, yes yeah. uh, i just I, I feel like i have uh, i've always felt like an outsider and that's what a lot of us horror writers are or writers in general so i i like to portray that in everything i do yeah, I could kind of see that where you're like, maybe your thought process, you had to learn young, like, oh, that's a little out there for some people. Like, just, mm-hmm. So you learn, oh, yes. yeah, you learn how to keep certain <laughs> ideas to yourself or like intrusive uh-huh. thoughts. Like, <laughs> I didn't grow and then as you anyone. get older, you find that there's an audience for that. You know, like you could do something with it, right? Yeah, I didn't grow exactly. up with friends that like horror. So I, uh. you know, just my mom that, my mom, well, not just, but my mom watched horror movies with me when i was younger and that was like pre what the internet is now so um mm-hmm, I, didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't meet all these wonderful people like ron until i was in my uh my 30s yeah that's okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> no nothing it's wrong okay. with that <laughs> no I, I, that's what i tell that's what i tell people all the time like i'm just like a like when they say oh my god how many books do you read blah 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 i'm like that's one of the things that I just didn't shy away from just reading has in general Mm. reading has Mm -hmm. always been in my life in one way or another. I've just always been a reader. Um, and, but now I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm just a big dork. I'm a big nerd about it. I'm going to read anyway. So if these people want to come talk to me about it, I am, I'm down for it. I'm like, you know, like a little, (laughs) a little mini chat, you know, a little like a conversation where I, and I don't care how dorky I sound. I got to just own it. And so that's why I'm like, that's I'm telling you, like, you're a nerd about those things. It's okay. Like you're like, I wasn't the top nerd. I wasn't, I I played sports casually, like non-competitively. And I'm like, like, that's okay like you're <laughs> and you found your people like yeah you found your people at some point along the way so that's just just own it that's okay yep. yeah <laughs> true, true, um, true yeah absolutely so Rhonda I kind of want to um you kind of mentioned this before like you know the whole Texas thing is there anything else that you can think of that like really draws you to the wild west or even the horror genre like that really kind of um helped you anything that like kind of drew you in that like tapped that you tapped into to kind of get in the zone for for this for this project um well i've always been uh, a horror fan so like i'm older than i'm gonna say uh <laughs> so i mean i i went through the whole things that we go through we understand that there's some weirdness that you got to keep to yourself um <laughs> but one of the things that that i really love about the horror genre is that 
for so long, well, unfortunately, for so long, only certain voices, right, mm. were allowed to tell these stories. Or like Pat was saying, the Wild West stories, they always went this kind of way. And that kind of gets old after a bit. Um, mm-hmm. And so with the horror genre, there's just there are all of these voices that haven't always been allowed to tell these stories. And so in looking at this anthology, I'm sitting there and I'm going, wait a minute, we have like dueling brothels. Like these are women, these are sex workers who are like, you know, engaging in this warfare. And I'm like, I dig it. This is yeah. great. And then I see <laughs> these queer characters and I go, I dig it. This is great. And then I see this, um, the the other stories and I'm going oh my gosh these are voices that I would have killed to have seen in the westerns right I listen to the old time western radio shows and I'm going no these voices aren't telling those stories so mm. I'm excited about that uh, so that was one thing that really struck me about this anthology in particular was that there was so much agency given to different characters there was so much um, unforced uh diversity and inclusivity uh which is really important i mean because there there were tons of people who were living and loving and dying in the old west Mm -hmm. and we i want to know all of their stories so i want to hear from the sex workers i want to hear from the railroad workers i want to hear from the the queer outsiders who actually found their person like i want to hear from all these people Uh, i want to hear from the kids right i want to hear from the women these are the people who we don't always hear their stories and so uh that was something that really resonated with me here that I was excited to talk about because it it shows that I've been around in this genre for many, many years. And mm-hmm. it shows that there is progress happening. Uh, it may not be happening as quickly as we would have thought, right? But at least I know that here in my lifetime, this has happened. Things are starting to, these are changing. Uh, and, and I'm really glad to see that these stories are getting the attention that they are because, I mean, they are just remarkably inclusive it's almost like seeing different slices of life uh but that's what you do in history in history ideally we would get all these voices we would get to talk about all these lives and we don't always get that and so this book gives us a peek into all these different households and all these different cultures uh and and i i just loved it i I really dug it a lot (laughs) Yeah, me too. I loved the dueling brothels. I thought that was so funny. I was like, go, right? like yes, go get them. Go get them. Like- right, exactly. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. Oh, and another thing. Yeah, yeah, um, killed it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It was it was great. I just remember being like, okay, let's let's showdown. Showdown. Go get them. I was exactly. so fun. Exactly. I was so excited. <laughs> um, another exactly. one I noticed that where I haven't um read before and that i think someone else had pointed that out too was uh the story where yeah the um the railroad world workers that you mentioned uh mm-hmm. from from were they from china right or something like that where mm-hmm. and, and it's so, yes yeah and that's a and thing the Pacific where, railroad exa- yeah yeah mm-hmm. and I, that was a thing that i didn't even think to to it just wasn't on my radar like oh that's a part of history right like that that happened yeah. Those, that situation mm-hmm. was very real and i thought that was an example like that's really cool just to add that diversity like how i can't think of how many i don't know how many short stories or even stories in general that kind of um tapped into that that piece of of 
you know, like that whole industry and the, the, the un, mm-hmm. you know, like almost the unrecognized um, pieces that fit into that industry that started that, that launched it off the ground. Like you needed people to build them. And a lot of the times it was right. these, you know, these underserved and, and overworked communities that, you know, what was their stories? Like, yeah, they've got some, they got some creepy shit to deal with too, probably. And their cultural yeah. lore, <laughs> like their, their cultural, like ghost stories, things like that. Like, um, I remember, yeah, like uh, certain just genres as I'm like kind of hopping back and forth in between, um, some of these. I, I, I find, I just, I enjoy like learning something new. And I found that was so interesting mm-hmm. that they included that, you know, that community's perspective of, in this collection, which is like, exactly. yeah, here's here's a, a creepy ghost story. Here's some shit going on, but you know, this is the group of people that's experiencing it, and they don't know, you know, they right. don't know what the hell is going on. They're like, what? And some, you know, some someone knows something. There's something they're not telling us, like all that. You know, it's like all <laughs> that, like familiar, like dread and anticipation, but to really like yes. kind of set that into like and, and given like an insight into the communities the different types of underrepresented communities that are dealing with that who are the the first person narratives you know so to speak mm-hmm. i think that yeah that's so cool too i really enjoyed it so i you know and i'm like trying to think of like i don't know i mean yeah i did have a handful of favorites but i really enjoyed every story that um mm-hmm. that was in here and and part of it was the reason because it was and there was some there was one that was just so funny when they were like <laughs> The guy about to be hanged and he was like, just friends. Like yes. his, his, you know, giving his two cents and criticizing them. Why don't you do it this way? Why don't you do it this way? And it was just like, but it was so matter of fact, like, oh, well, yeah, by the end of the day, this, th- these were, th- this was the scene at the end here. Like, it is, mm-hmm. but it, yes. it was still so funny, but it didn't shy away of like, well, he's okay. So, well, he got hung anyway. And he like, <laughs> it just like yeah. some of the, just the matter of fact, like commentary from these townsfolk and, and the poor mayor mm-hmm. who's just like, oh, dude, just like fucking <laughs> like, we're just trying to execute this dude. Like, just shut up. Like, <laughs> Yes, that is classic Jeff Strands. I mean, he is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just a really funny guy, and his writing is just just cuckoo funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, how are you making me laugh while I'm supposed to like be reading this like exactly anthology? <laughs> it was yeah, it was goofy. Mm-hmm. Um, any big lessons learned from either of you? you I kind of want to, you kind of mentioned it earlier about your process and, and what you did and all that stuff. But, um, you know, any big lessons learned about this whole experience that you, you take away and take to your, you know, your future, uh, projects? Okay. I'll go. Uh, yeah. Lean into your gut feeling. Uh, if you generally feel like it's the right move, try your best to go through with it. Uh, you know, I, uh, <laughs> There was a lot of unknown factors as the editor uh, for for a little bit, and I tried not stressing out about it. And uh, if you got to lean on your friends, do that. But besides that, how to write a forward? Because I'm doing that now for the first time for another anthology. Um, I wanted to say that Rhonda's forward just I read it and I'm like, holy fuck, that's better than I thought it would ever be. <laughs> not to say it wouldn't be good, but you just like I said, she's so smart. 
She's so smart. And she puts it in a very academic oh, way. It's, true. <laughs> it's those years of being in education, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. Some of it, some of it's got to be good for something. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Got to make those degrees pay for themselves. Right? <laughs> the biggest takeaway for me, though, is just that I want to hear more um uncommon voices in the west and i'm working on something and Rhonda's probably but definitely involved too with that so <laughs> <laughs> well because of because of this process being the slush reader it, it gave me an idea that i'm like that has to happen eventually so th- those are my mm-hmm. three takeaways <laughs> what about for you Rhonda? Yeah, big think- lessons learned yeah, well, I, I work with uh, the publisher Raw Dog Screaming Press on a uh, branded novella line. And one of the things in working with looking at how these anthologies are put together, um, I was able to see um, that process kind of as it played out. Like, I'm really glad that Pat was so transparent in yeah. why he chose <laughs> each story. Uh, and so when we went through our own acquisitions um, time, I, I realized that I'm looking at these things in the eye of not just how they fit into this brand, but not being afraid to take a chance on voices that we don't always hear. Uh, and so now that we have our lineup, settled like I feel really good about it and they're getting really good reception uh but I think that a lot of it was in looking at how this anthology in particular because I don't always get the chance to talk to the editors right Mm -hmm. so like when they if somebody invites me to an anthology I don't always know what their thought process is I just know they asked me to write it and I did it they said it was fine that was it right so it was really good to be able to to talk to Pat and 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 his transparency in well this is how i put them together this is how i i decided they would go like it really helped a lot when i would go into the meetings with the owner and publisher and the editor-in-chief jennifer jennifer barnes at rdsp to be able to say hey this is why i chose these right i picked these stories because of this and so i realized that that it was really good to be able to work in that acquisitions process after seeing how Pat went through the editing on this one and the acquisition. So that was, that was really helpful. I realized novellas are different from short stories, but because they're all under a uh, one brand, right? Uh, uh, one kind of overarching type of a story, they're sort of an anthology, I guess, but they're standalones, right? So, but that was really helpful to see that that back-end process. The last time I worked in acquisitions was years and years ago in romance, and things have changed so much since then. <laughs> so so Pat's experience was my more recent um, example that I could go, oh, well, this is how he kind of did. Okay, well, I think I could read with this kind of an eye, and maybe I can read with that kind of an eye. Think about what you're trying to do overall, and then think about what voices fit inside of that bigger picture. So that was really helpful. Yeah, that's awesome that Pat was... Yeah, he probably didn't have much to hide. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I don't, like, I don't see a reason to keep this from you. This is where my brain's at. No, and I think- I'm, I'm, I share with my whoever I'm working with. I'm, I'm very open because if I act like I'm smarter than I am, I'm just gonna get caught in a lie. And the jig look, is up. Look, I, I think I'm smart with some things, but like, nope, not that. This <laughs> is. <laughs> that's so funny yeah just own it you don't have to like (laughs) put up a front you know um yeah that's no that's really cool that you were able to to see that process because i bet like Mm -hmm. yeah because that's one thing i think about too as well i kind of know 
in my head, but can I articulate that? Like, do I have a good enough reason? Right. And like, Mm -hmm. if you can't verbalize it, then like, maybe, okay, maybe there's something I need to work on here. You know, maybe if I can't articulate this and defend it, then maybe there's a reason for that. So I think that's really cool that you were able to kind of be prepared for that and, and just kind of following his lead to be like, Oh, you know what? This is important. And then maybe this is something I should, you know, stick in my back pocket for later. If it comes up Mm -hmm. something, I think that's so helpful. That's yeah. That's so cool. And I met, it was like Mm -hmm. just so much fun to kind of like, you know, see it in real time too. Cause you see like, you see, you're like, here's my forward and then you get the finished Mm -hmm. product. But like, there's so many steps in there to see like how, well, why, like, why is this in here? Why isn't this one in here? Like what made you, you know, in the order of all of it too. Um, they, yeah, they, exactly. like there's just a lot of it that people don't think goes into it, but it's, it's mm-hmm. all of it's important for sure. It is. I sent, I sent Ron to the, the afterward I wrote, I wrote an afterward cause it felt, I thought it was interesting how it all went together. And, mm-hmm. and just like I do in my podcast, like I, I try to, um, offer things that I think would have been awesome to hear when I started writing. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, why hold it in? Like if it's helpful, <laughs> I feel like it'll be helpful. Then why not just share it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, what do you, yeah. So it's like, I don't know. Competition is good to an extent, but it's, mm-hmm. you make, I feel like you share more, like you, you raise the bar for everyone, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, so this is a two-part question. You guys kind of tapped on it, but I want to see like what comes to mind. Most challenging um, parts of this experience or putting this whole project together and most enjoyable parts of putting all of this together. Okay, most challenging. Uh, well, that was... I was left in the dark when there's a transitional period of who's running the publishing house. That was mm. frustrating. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I'd rather get a like no than be left in the dark. But it ended up, it ended up good. So I'm happy, to, I'm happy about that. The most enjoyable was that I got to help a few writers with their story, and I got a new appreciation as an editor, and um, also it, helping, like as an editor, I feel like you're there not to force your opinion but you're there to help shape the story, make it better. It ended up helping me become a better writer too. So I don't know, maybe selfish reasons, but that, that, those are my answers. <laughs> that's okay. That's for you. Most challenging, most enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, by the time it came to me there, I didn't have the biggest challenge I had was getting the forward in on time. Like <laughs> I am one of those writers who I'm always doing a thousand things. I'm truly the nutty professor. And so <laughs> that that was important. I was like, I just need to get this in on time. Like I really want to do this. Uh, so I mean, the the pulling it together, those were none of my challenges at all. Uh, uh, but the most enjoyable part was um being able to write that first foreword, uh, but also in being able to read all the stories. I know that's really selfish, but I'm a huge reader. And I'm like, I got to read a whole book <laughs> like before everybody else gets to see it. And so that mm-hmm. was really exciting. So now that it's out, I'm just like, yeah, I think I'll read it again. But right. <laughs> you know, I read it way up front. So that was the by far the most enjoyable part was getting to do a forward for these wonderful stories and then having a chance to read them uh, before everybody else did. Like I felt like I had a secret that nobody else knew. Right. 
And I'm really right. good at keeping secrets too. I'm really good at keeping she secrets. So I was like, I'm not going to say anything about anything. I'm going to act like it's the first time I heard of it. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. Just yes, like I'm, poker face, yeah. you know, like. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm the secret keeper. By the time people announce stuff, I've already heard so much of it. But I go out with everybody else and go, oh my gosh, yay. Yeah. <laughs> until yeah like, like until eventually be like okay well thank you for keeping my secret and then you, and then people are gonna be yeah. like what? you didn't know like what <laughs> yeah, exactly and if they don't ever tell i never tell <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome no good for you yeah good for you because i i kind of like in there too i like reading these books before they come out i think it's so cool but yeah the fact that it's like with short stories now i'm there i'm like okay well like, or maybe you're like that too. Like now that it's out, you're like, okay, who can read this so I could talk about it, right? Like, <laughs> uh-huh, exactly. Because <laughs> that's kind of the struggle that I come up with sometimes. But I think I like short stories too, because then it's like, you know, I I have a busy life. I have like a full-time job and two kids and all that. So reading short stories, like it, it's helpful because then you can just read it, you know, mull it over, digest it put it down and then pick up a new story. Mm-hmm. Like you can pick up the same book and start a new story. You don't have to remember, wait, where did I leave off? You know, you can just, <laughs> exactly. you're ready for a new story, ready for a new, like, you know, another 15, 20 minute session of reading where you could just pick it up and put it down. No big deal. I, I, I that's really one of my favorite parts about short stories too. And now I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. My husband, my husband doesn't really read. He reads like manga, but then like, he's really into other things. So now I'm like, okay, this short stories. You can read yes. this, pick it up, put it down. We could chat about right, it because right. these are cool. I know. I'm like, I'm like trying to think of like, well, would, would he be into it? Maybe we'll see. Otherwise, he, yeah. I'm gonna make him. I'm gonna make him be into it. <laughs> so, just a couple more questions before we wrap up for both of you. What advice would you give to um someone starting out writing who wants to start writing short stories? Mm. Oh, I would definitely say first of all, play the long game. <laughs> nothing here happens quickly uh i i think that sometimes people get into the game and they think oh this will be quick money like i was kind of mortified when i saw that people were putting like writing on these how to make a, a good quick side hustle kind of list kind of thing i was like writing what for whom are you serious like right you know, like doing this for upwards of 30 years or so right and i'm just now gaining traction so you can't come into this thinking you're going to be an overnight hit because even right. if you are even if you are you still have to write the next thing so the one thing, maybe it does blow up. Maybe you do become a best-selling rock star, but then you have the pressure of following that up. Yeah. Um, publishing is very slow, but also readers can be pretty fickle. And you just have to kind of ride with it. Like you just have mm-hmm. to be resilient. You have to stick with it. If it's If you can stop writing, then this isn't for you. If you can just stop it, then maybe you should. Uh, you need to be in it to play the long game. It only You only get better the more that you write. Um, and even those of us who have been in this forever, we still I still get rejections. Like, And I just have to go, oh, okay, it wasn't for them, right? Mm-hmm. And so you just have to play the long game. Be ready for it. But if you're sure that you're meant to be here, stay here. Because at some point, things will happen the way that they're supposed to for you. Yeah, so for me, I would just say that if you're... If you want to try writing, just start doing it. Know that you're not going to find your voice for a while. 
I would say, I mean, it's different for everyone. It took me about six years. Um, and that's after, I don't know, five or six novels and a bunch of short stories and novellas. Um, most probably won't see the light of day, but it's going to take a while to, to find your, your writing voice. Um, and just realize that Jonathan Mayberry, he said something that I think is brilliant that writing is art, publishing is a business. And also in that business, you're dealing with a lot of different people, especially when you're talking to your peers. Just know that everyone's not your friend. Most probably aren't. It's like anything in life. Um, <laughs> and it's not easy, but try not giving a fuck what others think about you. It's not, I, I struggle with that myself, but you know, at the end of the day, you just got to worry about yourself, your family, and those few true friends that actually will have your back. Um, mm-hmm. And and just remember why you started writing. If you love writing, keep doing it. Keep trying to be better. And you'll eventually get what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that that can be applied. Um, that mentality can be applied to like almost anything. Because what you you real mm-hmm. like once you get down to it, like people are mostly just out for themselves. Like they're just mm-hmm. kind of looking at looking out for themselves, and it's not necessarily mm-hmm. like a personal thing like no one's trying to sabotage you and mm-hmm. or at least that's right. not literally like not i mean <laughs> not immediately right like usually trying to, someone's trying to sabotage you there's hopefully there's some you know long long-standing rivalry of some sort but even then it's like <laughs> the notion of caring too much about what people think that's definitely i think that resonates mm-hmm. with like so many people probably more than anybody's like willing to admit themselves. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid thirties and I'm still like, I still kind of, I'm, I'm just now kind of getting over that point where it's like, I, I don't care if I, if I look like kind of like a weirdo, I don't care if, if like uh-huh, I come off uh-huh. awkward, I'm just kind of like, <laughs> you know, people who have known me a long time kind of like know me, it's like whatever, but yeah, it's like, you don't, you can't care too much or just like kind of be constructive about it. Right. You got to have like accept uh-huh. constructive criticism. Yes. It's your baby, but use that to get better and like, listen to the people who are trying to, you know, where it matters, like, don't, don't care so much. And then don't, yeah, don't be afraid to look stupid, to sound stupid, to be weird. Mm-hmm. Cause like I have friends and, you know, who are, who do improv and that's like, I'm like, I don't know how you guys can perform. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm like, I don't know how you guys can perform and keep a straight face through some of the funniest shit on stage. Like, and, and, or they just go really out there and there's so, so much fun to watch. And they're like, you can't, you just like kind of have to like not care how stupid you might look. You don't, you have Mm -hmm. to get into it. You have to stay, keep that energy level up and just keep that momentum going. And I feel like that's, that's so true for a lot of things. Like even just writing, like keep the momentum going. Don't be afraid if, if somebody's like kind of reads your story and is like, Oh, it's kind of weird. Cause then, you know, there might be another, <laughs> might be another audience that's like, Ooh, this is, I could dig it. You know, like you never know. Exactly. Like, so yeah, I love, I, lo- I love that sentiment. Like, nope, just it's, you know, give less of a shit, you know, it's okay. <laughs> Don't be afraid to yes. just, to, to, to lean into some of that stuff that gives you that, you know, those creative juices flowing and all that good stuff. Cause it's, it's, yeah, you know, you don't want to, I don't want to yuck anybody's yum. Like, (laughs) (laughs) so, so to speak. Um, so what is next, uh, for you two that you guys can talk about? Rhonda. 
Uh, so I can talk about, um, I have a short story in a, a holiday uh, horror anthology uh, being put out by the Seventh Terrace. I think it comes out next month. Um, of course, these are not the warm and fuzzy uh, holiday stories, uh, <laughs> but they're mm. perfect for horror readers. Um, I'm working on so many things, uh, right, as always. Um, and so, but I think that's, that's one that's really safe to talk about, uh, which is great um i'll also also though i can talk about that i'll be in uh at multiverse con here uh later this week in atlanta and then i'll be at the halloween hangover too in november nice so i don't have anything that i can talk about in detail yet but uh, <laughs> my second anthology i'm working on is with two friends uh so us three are edited in in antho and it's um it's it's gonna be badass it's got a bunch of and i I wish i could say who but it's not gonna be public until a few weeks from now so i don't i don't want to speak before it's revealed the (laughs) way that the other two editors want to reveal it but it's it's exciting um that's okay i won't i won't you know i won't hold anything to you so i I won't i won't force you to say anything that you don't you don't want to (laughs) say And then writing wise, I'm working with Drew Huff, who wrote one of the. She should get an award for her her short her short story, uh, "Other World Bird," uh, "Old World Birds." Um, mm-hmm. She and I are writing uh, a story right now that it's really fun. It's it's um it's like a noir that meets the Matrix. Um, it's really. <laughs> oh. It's okay. really bizarre, but it's it's really relatable too. Uh, it, it's at its core, it's all about family and the insane hurdles that you have to go through in some scenarios. Um, so that's a lot of fun to work on with her. Besides that, I am working on my podcast. Always, um, I don't have much time for anything else. Like you, I got two kids, full time jobs, so. <laughs> I wish I could write all day, but I can't. Yeah. <laughs> what's your uh, What's your podcast called? It's a Deadhead Space. It's got my um, bald mug on it. <laughs> I look like a uh, look like a zombie. There you go. Well, you were into George A. Romero, right? So that's what yeah. you kind of start off yeah. with. Yep. Yeah, I know. Well, cause it's um, I did Daniel Krauss. I'm sure you've you've heard of him. He's mm-hmm. just released this mm-hmm. crazy book, Whale Fall. Whale Fall been, is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's been on the show um four times, and I was lucky to be able to, you know, to. Be, I always say like, hey, if you want to come out, come back on. You know, soon enough, you're going to be hosting mm-hmm. the show with us. But that's one thing <laughs> I did. One of the first books um of his that I did review and interview him about was when he worked with the uh, Romero the state to finish the mm. living dead to finish that book and mm. even it was like a 500 page book but i still like i kind of joke about this i'm like i wasn't mad about it like i wasn't mad about the length <laughs> and like i said you know i don't i don't like being scared but it was just you know zombies i feel like you know obviously romero's like the father of that whole uh genre that whole movement mm-hmm. but daniel cross he you know he finds a way to like just suck you in and add that, that human element to it and that just like that getting the psyche of what like those post-apocalyptic um situations and and he doesn't shy away he doesn't shy away from from the uh eerie from the disturbing you know i'm like one of them it was um they they threw us away that teddy saga when i first read that and it was like 
this is for middle grade like this is for 10 to 14 year olds i'm like i even asked him i'm like where do you get off like writing such disturbing shit for like middle schoolers and he is like he's a matter of fact he's like you know if they don't like it they don't have to read it they can put yeah. it down like what? <laughs> i love him he he's just i sent, yeah. him, an e- I sent him an email after the show and i told him um a novel I wrote that I'm going to get back to editing on hopefully in the next year or two. But uh, I just said that your dual timeline is in whale fall. It's brilliant. And (laughs) it actually helped me figure it. It was like, he had a key. And as a reader, I got to grab that and unlock something that I was um, uncertain of Mm. how to tackle, (laughs) how to tackle really, um seamlessly like it's not easy to do mm. the final product with his format i'm like that's that's the key so i thank yeah. you for that he's just a real sweet guy very very sweet oh, humble is. person just a great writer yeah i agree i, I that's i every time it's so funny because like when i first started doing these interviews he was one of the first ones i interviewed one of the first authors i remember um just kind of reading his story it was bent heavens the first one i re- read and then i was like oh this is this this like that book kind of fucks me up i was like ooh, <laughs> but then it was like it was such a great a great book but it like i was just i needed a minute when i when i closed it you know when i finished it i needed mm-hmm. like it kind of i had to let it marinate but even when like talking to him about it it's like I didn't know what to expect with his personality but when i met him and talked to him like had a quick conversation with him i was like oh like you're not like it's so crazy how like they're not intimidating at all it's like authors like you guys are all like so talented and intimidating once you like read your your work your your art but then when you speak to them like oh they're just like they're just normal people but with an insane amount of talent (laughs) like they're normal people just with an insane amount of talent in one area or maybe multiple areas or they just like figure out Mm -hmm. how to make it work like so impressively so yeah like the more i do these but i was just so surprised to learn like oh yeah he's like a sweet guy and he's super friendly and he's like has a a positive attitude like he wasn't problematic at all and it was just like Mm -hmm. and and every time i talk to him i'm like hey welcome back you know like (laughs) hey how, how have you been blah 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 and all that good stuff so um but yeah i i i'm right there with you i really enjoy his work and and i feel yeah i feel fortunate enough to because i'm looking at it like all oh, my bookshelf my bookshelves here i'm like how many are his i'm like one two three you know so like <laughs> i'm no i'm right there with you i he's he's great i, I you really know what his favorite book of his his own is his own yeah. Oh, what was it? I thought it w- might have been Whalefall, I thought. Or maybe it's new up there. Otherwise, I also read Rotters. I haven't read Zebulon Finch. Um, it's, uh, it's Blood Sugar. He- I just ordered that. Yeah, I just ordered that. I cause love I, it. Yeah, because I, I follow him on... Uh, and I, I subscribed to his newsletter. I like was last Krauss on the left. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's like, Oh, blood sugar's like almost profitable. Like it's almost there. Like where I could, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> so he's like, if you guys could please like order it, it'd be really cool. So I was like, all right, fine. Like, I'll like click by it. So it did just come in the mail today. So I'm excited. I don't know when I'm going to get a chance to read it, but um, I remember that one of them was, I think, I don't know if that was one story that, he tried to not use semicolons. It was like weird. Like with the, yeah, like with every one of his books, he tries something different. Like he sees how, you know, if he can write an entire book doing this. And I think hmm. it was something really like, 
weird and random, like trying not to use any semicolons or trying not to use uh-huh. like, like trying not to repeat any, any adjective or something like it was like something weird, but I forget, I forget what it was. And I think that blood sugar stands out to where he was trying, he was trying to do something to see if he could do it. And I'm like, it's like, man, you are, you are a talent. You're something else. But <laughs> um, okay. So Patrick R. McDonough and RJ Joseph, uh, hot iron and cold blood an anthology of the weird West. I definitely recommend it. I loved all these stories. Um, where can we find you to on social media and online? Yeah, I'm, I'm on most social media platforms, um, at R Jackson Joseph. Uh, and I do finally have a website. This is, <laughs> this is a recent development, right? I've been writing forever. I just got a website. Um, and it is Rhonda Jackson Joseph.com. Finally. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I'm on Twitter at PR McDonough. In uh, Instagram, I do have a PR McDonough, but that was hacked a few weeks ago. Mm. So I made a oh, new no. one. Yeah, I made a new one, Pat R. McDonough. So if anyone <laughs> wants to follow me, go ahead. So you, you must be a hot commodity. You have a hot following. People want to get in on your audience yeah. or you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> get it on your account. Uh, the hacker wanted money from me. And I, hey. I said, I use some curse no. words. And <laughs> <laughs> You're like... I am not the one fool. No, <laughs> yeah. no thanks. Yeah. Uh, okay, so thank you guys so much for um, joining us. We'll include all those good links and and um, you know links to buy the book into your website and stuff in the show notes. Um, but yeah, this was so much fun. Like I said, I recommend everyone to go pick it up, and it's perfect for spooky season. So, you know, get it, get it while the mood strikes. If not, you know, you could just tap into it when you feel like it. Cause, um, it's easy to pick up and put down all that good stuff, but thank you guys so much. This was really, really thank fun. You. Appreciate it. Yes. Thank you, Megan. Yes. It's wonderful. Thank you so much. Okay. That was Patrick R. McDonough and RJ Joseph talking about hot iron and cold blood an anthology of the weird West. That book is available now. Check out the show notes for links to find them online and on social media and links where you could purchase their books. Um, great review, subscribe, follow us on social media, the Nerd Cantina and Cantina Book Club. Um, go ahead and read my book reviews if you need some recommendations. And if you are finding that uh, any of these books that you pick up, you are enjoying them, go ahead and hop on over to Goodreads and Amazon and give them a rating and a review. It really does help them out. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening.